Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 3. This podcast is for and about people getting ready for their first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, France, and Portugal. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. about people walking the Camino on their own, solo, by themselves, not with a friend, partner, or family member. Is that the best way to do it? Hi, this is Nancy, here today with a guest who is not doing it that way. Rather, she will be walking the Camino del Norte route with a group of 16 people. What I love about this story is that it gives us a glimpse into another way to make this pilgrimage possible. It shows us that anyone can be a pilgrim, regardless of how or with whom they walk the Camino. So we will be meeting Kim from Tulsa, Oklahoma in the U.S. in a few minutes. Before we get to Kim, though, I want to cover a few things. I have heard from a couple people who listen to this podcast in the Audible app that they were having trouble with the show notes for each episode. So I signed up for Audible and discovered that I could find the show notes in the app and also on their website, but none of the links I put in the show notes show up as links. Oh, and if you are finding something different, I would love to hear from you. In the meantime, I am going to give you two ways to get those links, both starting from my website, which is thecaminoexperience.com. The first way is to look for the menu item blog. All of the podcast episodes are on the blog, starting with the most recent one. The other way is to look on the homepage of my website for the logo of the podcast and click on that. Hopefully you will recognize the logo. It's the trail marker with the scallop shell set against a blue sky. And it says, you on the Camino de Santiago. When you click on that, you go to the website where I host the podcast and all the show notes are there. Next, I have heard from some people on my email list that they missed the special offer I had on my new Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide. So I am going to do another special offer in early September. But if you don't want to wait for that, be sure to stop by my website as the audio guide is available now. And for my podcast listeners, I have a bonus for you when you enter the promo code podcast in the comments section of the purchase form. That bonus will help you sort out one of the first things you need to decide when planning your pilgrimage, where to start, and how much time you will need for the Camino experience you are dreaming of. To get on my email list, just go to my website and request the top 10 Camino tips that don't usually show up on the top 10 lists, and voila, you will be on my email list. That website again is thecaminoexperience.com. 
And just a quick reminder of the fine print, the audio guide is for those pilgrims walking the Frances route, starting in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, who have at least four weeks until their departure date. Now, one more thing before we meet Kim, I want to answer one of the listener questions I received. This one is from Christina in Tampa, Florida in the U.S., who will be walking the Camino Frances in September 2024. Christina, thank you for sending this in. Her question, actually it's a few questions, are about the credential or the pilgrim passport that pilgrims use to document their journey along the Camino routes. Her question is, what do I do if I run out of stamp space in the credential? Can I or should I buy a few extra credentialists at the beginning just in case? Well, that's a great question, and the answer is you can, but I don't know if you should, and let's look at why. You can get extra credentialists anywhere along the route. Typically, you'll find them at the municipal albergues. In some cases, you'll find them at the cathedrals and at pilgrim shops along the way. I'm thinking specifically of my favorite place to get credentialis on the Camino Frances route, and that is in Pamplona at the Camino Teca shop. That shop is located just steps away from the municipal Jesus y Maria Albergue, and also just steps away from the cathedral in Pamplona. So let's look at some ideas on how to manage your credentialis. So the thing is, if you're walking the entire Camino Frances route, or if you're collecting a lot of stamps, you will run out of space. Here's some ideas on how some people manage this. As Christina suggested, some people do buy several credentialis. But in my experience, the pilgrim's office in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port is not always eager to sell you multiple credentialis. I think that's because they want to count how many stamps they give out, how many credentialists they sell to support the statistics that they keep. So if you're not able to get a second one in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, don't worry. The credential in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port is actually different from the ones you get inside Spain. So what I would do is I would get one in France in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port then I would get one when I get to Pamplona at the Caminoteco shop. One way to manage this would be to have one credential that you stamp where you're staying each night to create that record of your journey that you present in Santiago to get your Compostela. Another idea is to have a second one that you use to collect stamps because stamps are available in bars, churches, cathedrals, and every place you stay along the Camino. So you could have one credential to document and show in Santiago and one to fill up with all the stamps that you could possibly collect. Here's one more thing to consider. Some of the credentialists have places for stamps on both sides. If you plan to frame your credential, you might want to get stamps on only one side and then use two credentialis. So you would fill up one side of one and then you would start on the second one. 
In that case, you might want to pick up a few different credentiales. Here's Christina's next question. What if I lose my credential between Saria and Santiago? What are my options? Now, this is important because if you want to receive the Compostela when you reach Santiago, you have to be able to show a credential that has two stamps per day from Saria to Santiago. If you're on a different route, it's two stamps a day for the final 100 kilometers into Santiago. Those stamps, you collect one where you sleep each night, and then technically you, you get the second stamp in the same town the next morning. So that would be at the bar where you get your coffee or at a church that you visit. The only way to get that Compostela is to present a credential that shows those two stamps per day for the final 100 kilometers. So if you lose your credential and you can't show that, then technically you cannot get a Compostela. So I want to start by talking about how to prevent losing your credential. Well, of course, it's the obvious thing. Know where, it, know where it is at all times and put it someplace safe. But the other thing is this. The moment you receive your credential, wherever you get it from, whether that's in St. Jean-Pied-du-Port, in Porto, Oviedo, Ferrol, or if you get it before you leave home, the first thing you want to do when you get your credential is write in your email address and phone number. Now, here's the funny thing. There's no place for it. There's no line that says email address or phone number. So you just have to find some white space someplace in the credential and write in that information. That way, if you leave it behind or drop it, the person who finds it can find you. They can contact you and let you know that they have it. And I promise you that any pilgrim who finds another pilgrim's credential really wants to get it back to you. If you were to lose your credential, immediately get another one so you can continue to collect the stamps while you wait for your original credential to turn up. That's especially true if you are in the last 100 kilometers into Santiago so you don't miss any of the momentum. Now, I think the only other option, if you lose your credential and you don't hear from anybody, let's say you forgot to put your name or email address in there, the only other way to receive the Compostela would be to retrace your steps and collect those stamps again. Some places, when you get your stamps, they, they date it. They write in the date for you. So you might have a difficult time convincing somebody who runs an albergue or hotel to backdate it. So I think we should just prevent losing our credentiales. Make sure you keep close watch on those and that your contact details are in there. All right, Christina, thanks again for sending in those questions. And I do have more questions to share with you in the next upcoming episodes, but I'm always looking for more questions to answer. So if you have questions that have not yet been answered in this podcast, please send them in. The link to do that is in the show notes, or you can email me at youonthecamino 
at gmail.com. To help me out, to make sure I don't miss them, just put the words podcast question in the subject line of your email. Okay, my friends, let's meet our guest for today, Kim from Tulsa. Hi, Nancy, back again. I've got a guest with me today coming to us from Tulsa, Oklahoma in the U.S. How about we say hello to Kim? Hey, Kim. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad you agreed to join me on the podcast because your circumstances, your situation, and your plans are different from anybody else I've talked to so far. So I'm super excited to hear and to share your story. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, cool. And so you're leaving pretty soon, yeah? It's right around the corner. It's literally like 10 days away, I think. (laughs) Excellent. Yes. Okay. So 10 10 days, you're leaving in 10 days. How about we get the pin in the map? And if you would share with us what route you're walking and how much time you'll be spending and who you're going with. Okay. Well, I will be walking uh, the Norte route. And I will travel, I'm going with a group and we will be traveling from Tulsa, going through Dallas and then into Madrid. And then we'll be taking a flight from Madrid to, I think it's La Coruna. Okay. And then we will be uh, transported by bus, I believe, to Villalba. I believe that's how you pronounce it. So, and then we will start walking from Villalba, you know, like a day after we arrive. So that'll be the beginning. Okay. And how much time do you have? How how long will the, the group be walking? So we'll really only be walking six days, which, you know, compared to, I know a lot of your guests and, and people who walk the the Camino, you know, that's a relatively short amount of time. You know, there's a a variety of people in the group. And of course, a lot of us work and, you know, have family commitments and that kind of thing. So I think a longer, you know, 30, 40 day, you know, journey was not, you know, likely with all of us. So it's just six days of walking, but probably a total of about 10 days with travel. You bring up such a great point, and that is that not everybody has the time to spend 30 or 40 days walking a pilgrimage, and not everybody wants to spend that much time doing a pilgrimage. So it reminds me again that there's no one right way to do a pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to be honest, if I had been given the opportunity to just jump right in and do get all in and do a 30 day, I probably wouldn't have done it. I think I would have been, you know, a little apprehensive, you know, my first one. So I'm kind of liking that this is going to be, you know, just a, a shorter journey and, you know, with a group of people that I know. So yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I yeah. love that. So I want to ask about a few things. Starting with, if you could tell me about this group of people, who are they and how did you come to know them and end up walking the Camino with them? Sure. Yeah. So this is a group of wonderful women from my, from my Catholic parish here in Tulsa. And there's about 16 of us 
and we are going with our parish priest. This is something that he started, I don't know how long ago, it's been several years. And so he um, takes groups um, to walk the Camino. He does women's groups, men's groups, couples. And then I think there is a, like a young adult, a youth group as well. So I had heard about these groups, you know, and had known people, other people in my, in my parish who had, who had walked with him. And I was like, I want to do that. You know, one of these days when the time is right. Yeah. It just, you know, everything kind of aligned for this journey. And um, yeah. So I just said, yeah, I think I want to do this one. So I'm lucky in that, you know, most of the women on this trip are women that I know. It's a large parish. And so, of course, there's, you know, many people that I don't know, but many of these women I have served with on, you know, committees and retreats and other um, activities, you know, at the church. So I'm lucky that, you know, I'm going with a group that, you know, we're, we're fairly close. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I love that. I love that. You know, people say so often the best way to do the Camino is to just go by yourself, just go solo. And I, I know from experience that the reason people say that is because that's what they did and it was a fantastic experience. But that doesn't mean it's the only way to have a fantastic experience on the Camino. Yes. I yeah. love what, you've, what you're working with here. So I'm curious. When we, when we talk about getting ready for the Camino, there's so much that goes into that. There's the deciding the route and how much time you'll take. Do you book in advance or not? Do you, how do you pack and do you carry your luggage? How do you get there? All of that stuff. So I'm wondering with a group like this, I'd like to hear from you on two different areas of preparation. One is all that logistical stuff, how that's being handled. And then the other, after that, I'd like to talk about the pilgrimage preparation coming from a Catholic church to a Catholic pilgrimage, what that entails. So let's, let's start with the logistics. How are all of the logistics being handled? Well, luckily it was pretty much all handled for us. So (laughs) we had a travel agent that um, had usually books all of these Camino trips that our parish priest takes with, you know, other parishioners. So it's a, it's a pre-planned itinerary. I think they, they usually all stay in the same hotels and we do use a transport service for luggage. Breakfast and dinner are included in our rate that we pay at the hotel, and then lunch is on our own, of course, as we're walking. All of the arrangements are really made for us. So, and I know that, you know, this is kind of a unique situation that we didn't really have to think too much about it. So the route was already chosen and it's a kind of a preset itinerary. So that was kind of nice. And we, you know, got all the details and every day where we will be, how many miles we will walk per day. So we already know that. Mm. Yeah. So that that's kind of nice. When you think about the idea of 
doing that all yourself. Is that something that would appeal to you? Or is this just, thank goodness, I don't have to do that. Well, probably for the first one, I'm I'm saying, you know, (laughs) but I think it's something that I could plan myself if I decided to go back again. But I was I was glad that it was kind of taken care of, mm. you know, for me this first time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So then the other part of that question is the whether it's spiritual preparation or pilgrimage preparation, is there any kind of a program that is embedded into this trip? So the being led by a priest, is there a spiritual program or religious program that comes along with this? Yeah, somewhat. I would say as we've all individually and, you know, as a group been preparing for this journey, you know, we've met a few times. I mean, we've probably been planning this for, well, it's probably been over a year. Mm-hmm. So we have met, you know, we met early on to with the priest just to kind of get an overview of the trip. And he recommended some reading for us and We've met a couple of other times, you know, along the way. We did meet at one of the other ladies' home and and had a meal there and got to talk a little bit more about, about the journey. So, yeah, so there's been that. And then while we're on the journey, kind of the way our day will go is that we will we'll have mass at seven every morning. And that'll be, I think, very simple and basic. You know, obviously we're going to be, you know, on the Camino, we're going to be in a hotel or or wherever we may be. And it might be outside. <laughs> and he even said it <laughs> might even be in his hotel room. So, you know, it, it will be just, it'll be mass to start our day. We'll have breakfast and then we'll start walking, you know, around 8 a.m. He'll give us kind of a reflection and something to sort of meditate on during the day as we walk each day. So I think it's from what I understand, you know, and I've heard from other people who have gone on the trip, like just a different topic and a different, just something to contemplate, to think about. And then in the evening, when we all come back together for dinner, we'll talk about it. We'll just share if anybody wants to share and kind of how their day went. So. I'm I'm really looking forward to that part of it. Yeah, my heart my heart just opened up as you were talking about that to have that opportunity to walk with people of like faith and like belief systems to share an experience you're you'll be walking the same trail, the same path possibly next to each other but possibly some people ahead and some people behind. And then to be reflecting on the same questions and being able to share that at the end of the day is really touching to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that part of it. Um, so when you think about that, and that's what you know of the agenda, you know, that's what's on tap there. Would you share with us your personal motivations for joining this trip and for walking the Camino? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I think it was just, it's an opportunity for, you know, just a a faith journey, you know, just to kind of, you know, strengthen my faith. I'm always, you know, looking for, you know, things to do with, with friends and these women from the parish. So 
I think it started out just, you know, as something that I wanted to kind of get away from the everyday, unplug and just kind of, you know, have an opportunity to, to enrich my faith life all the way over in Spain. <laughs> so I, you know, it definitely started out that way and it still is that. But I think it kind of took on another meaning and I'll probably get kind of emotional, but I did lose my sister in March. I'm so sorry. Unexpectedly. So, but it's just, I think it's kind of, it's kind of motivated me to, you know, she'll never be able to go on a trip like this. So it's kind of for her, you know, yeah. so. Sorry. You know, I told myself I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> these these emotions are actually appropriate. Yeah, they're really appropriate. Losing a sister is a tremendous loss. Yeah. So yeah. So and she knew I was going on the trip, and I didn't. I didn't talk to her a lot in detail about it at that point, but but she knew I was going and. So now it's kind of turned into a, you know, I'm going to bring her with me kind of. So, you know, yeah. So it's kind of evolved. Is this something that she would have wanted to do with you? I don't know that she would have. She, she likes to travel. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she would have, have done it with me. I mean, she did have some health concerns that probably would have not have allowed her, but definitely would have been absolutely supportive and would want to have heard about it, you know, when I got back. So yeah, yeah definitely. So I'll definitely, she'll be in my heart and in my thoughts. Yeah. Did she share your faith as well? She was not Catholic, but definitely, you know, had a strong faith life. Yeah. Well, that, that leads me to the question of the pilgrimage as defined by the Catholic church is uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the details of what I've read on the website from the pilgrim's office in Santiago, that a Catholic pilgrim will arrive in Santiago, attend mass, attend confession, and there might even be another, another sacrament or something they do and receive the Compostela. And do you have a, an idea in your mind of what your experience in Santiago will be like and what it will include? You know, I, I really don't know. I mean, I don't know that it will be, I haven't really thought that it would be anything different than what I've heard, you know, other pilgrims experience when they get to the cathedral. Hmm. We are sort of wondering about, you know, the incense burner and, but I think I just sort of envisioned that we would be experiencing it with all of the other pilgrims. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not real sure. Hmm but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. It might be interesting to check out the Pilgrim's Office website to see what they say about the guidelines for a Catholic in completing the pilgrimage, whether or not that's important to you. Doesn't yeah. matter so much, but it's just sort of interesting. And I will put the website in the show notes so people listening can check that out and see all the information about that. And the incense burner, the Botufumero, I don't know if you know this or not, but your group can actually arrange to have it used during the Pilgrim's Mass. There is a fee of 500 euros, but I'm thinking divided by 16, that might be doable. 
Okay. Yeah, we were wondering about that. We were asked actually um, wondering if, you know, it had to be paid for each time. It, you know, what are the chances of someone someone else having already paid for it? I mean. Yeah, it certainly could happen that way. And But the one thing that I've heard recently from someone, one of my listeners, is that when they reached out to the Pilgrim's office to find out about it, they they wouldn't tell them if it had already been reserved. So, okay. I, you know, and I don't know if that's a double payment opportunity. For right. Them. I, yeah. I don't know. Be. It could be. <laughs> it could be. But yeah, it could also be that they don't want to field questions of pilgrims who just want to go for the Botifumato. And right. they, they're looking for serious inquiries. But your priest may be able to have an inside path to that to okay. find out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we definitely, you know, like to experience that, but we were talking about it. I think somebody thought it was a few thousand dollars, mm-hmm. but so 500, 500. And it may even be possible if you reserve it to have reserved pews in the church, in the okay. cathedral, because I have heard recently that actually, I think it was Laura who was on the last week or the week before on the podcast who said they got there and they wanted to grab these seats in the front row, but they were reserved and they assumed it was for the group that had paid for the Botafumato, that service. Okay. Yeah. But I can send that out by calling the Pilgrim's office. You think? Yeah. Or send them, in, there's an email address. And if you don't have any luck, I'm just thinking that maybe your priest might, might have better luck getting connected to the church. Okay. I'm, it's an assumption on my part, but yeah, yeah. worth looking into. Yeah, for sure. And especially because you're only a couple of weeks away from being in Santiago. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Right. So will you be getting the Compostela when you get there? Is that an important part of the pilgrimage for you? Yeah, yeah, it is. So yeah, we'll be definitely doing that. Oh, good. I understand that typically groups can have one person go to the office and order the Compostelas for their entire group. They would take their credentials and take them to the office. But the one thing that came to mind for me is because you're talking about carrying your sister with you in your thoughts and in your heart, but it is possible to have her name added to the bottom of your Compostela. Oh, really? And to say, yeah, now now I'm going to cry. But after you order your Compostela and they, they print it, they don't handwrite the pilgrim's name anymore. But my understanding is that they can handwrite in at the bottom something to the effect of walking in honor of and put her name on it. I love that. Yeah. So that might be something to look into. Yes, definitely. I definitely. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Very cool. So what else is there? Are there any other motivations or reasons behind this walk that you would want to share with us? You know, I think mostly just, you know, the spiritual journey and just kind of seeing if I can physically do it. This is kind of, you know, outside of my comfort zone, you know, as far as physical endurance, the preparation for the trip has really gotten me into walking and hiking, which is a nice, you know, bonus and benefit that has come out of this. I have a friend who is not going on this trip, but is a big hiker and you know, she said, you need to come start hiking with me, Mm -hmm. you know, to get ready for this. And so I did, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, I really surprisingly enjoyed hiking. So I've gone to 
some places locally, we have a nice place to walk down at our river, um, the river parks, which is several miles along the river here. Mm. And just some other local areas that have great hiking trails and everything. So that's something that I'll probably continue to do even after I get back. So, right. Yeah. One of the benefits for you having your accommodations booked in advance is there won't be a need to rush to get where you're going. So the only thing that may prompt you to finish earlier is because it might be a hot day and you might want to finish walking before the heat of the day. But that gives you, having your accommodations booked gives you the leisure of taking however much time you want on the trail, stopping at the Spanish bars along the way and the towns and the villages and enjoying, fully immersing in where you are. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So I'm curious if there are any challenges or frustrations that you've had in the process of getting ready. You haven't had to figure out all of those logistical details, which can be very frustrating for some people, but you're getting walking and still, you still have to pack for the trip and assemble gear. Any frustrations or challenges that you've come up against? Well, I've had some physical challenges. Um, For the past several years, I I have had some issues with my hip Mm. and my lower back. So, you know, I was questioning, can I do this? Is this something I'm going to be able to endure? And So I have been doing physical therapy and, you know, getting some things like that done and just walking has helped doing a lot of walking and hiking. But, you know, even, even now, you know, I still have reservations just to find endurance. Am I going to have to stop a lot? So that's something that still concerns me. Sure. And I think there are other, you know, women in our group too, who have some similar concerns and. So, you know, that's something that, you know, I've struggled with just the anticipation of an anxiety of being able to overcome that each day. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. People talk about the physical challenge and there's this great debate of whether you should train before you go or if you can just show up on the trail and let it work out. And I think that people underestimate the physical challenge of walking the Camino. And I'm not just talking about walking over the Pyrenees mountains, and I'm not just talking about walking for 30 or 40 days. Right now, I haven't been walking for a couple months. I would really have to work to walk yeah. six days yeah, in a row because you're going to be walking probably 15 to 20 kilometers each day. And that takes something, that takes some Yeah, that takes something. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, even in my training, I don't think I have walked six consecutive days, multiple miles. Yeah. I I would say the longest day that I've had training has been eight miles. Our shortest day is nine. That's our shortest day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, just work comes up or, you know, things happen and, you know, you just can't walk as consistently as you would like. And so I'm probably frustrated with my, you know, I haven't had like a real training plan or a real, like I'm going to do so many days a week. 
it's just been whenever I can kind of fit it in, try to get longer hikes and walks in on the weekends, a couple of shorter ones during the week. I wish that I had been more consistent along the way. Yeah. yeah. You know, with being 10 days away, it's, you know, it is what it is. So it, it is what it is. And hey, let's do a survey. Okay, everybody listening, raise your hand if you had been able to do or if you are able to do a rigorous training plan like we think we should do. Anybody out there? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lot of people who get to right. do that. Right. Because yeah, cause life keeps happening. There's so much going on. Yeah. So I think then that's what's really important is your strategies on the trail is to know that you haven't prepared for the f- rigors. You haven't fully prepared for the rigors of the trail, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. Right. I yeah. think what it means is that you have to pay close attention to the messages your body sends you. Yes. And my strategy is to stop every hour. People think I'm crazy, but to stop every hour and first of all, take off my boots and socks, air out my feet and put on a fresh pair of socks. But the other thing that is probably equally important is to change position. So when we walk, we're standing upright and we're doing this repetitive motion, but to stop and sit cross-legged, either on a bench or if you can do it on the ground or on a rock or on a log and stretch out your hips and your lower back and to bend over and stretch all of that stuff, just get into a different position and kind of move around and see what your body feels like. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. That's a good point. So I'll have to remember that you know, during the day. Yeah. I I sometimes get as crazy as I only drink water when I stop and take off my pack as a way to force myself to stop and change position and stretch and get the bag off. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. That is, that's a very good idea. It just takes focus and rigor. You have to really be paying attention because what happens on the Camino is you enter this flow of pilgrims and with you, it'll be a group of 17 people or 16 or, and just, whoo, here we go. And we're flowing, flowing down the river and it can be hard to stop because we get into that momentum. Yeah. And I suspect, you know, we will start out obviously together, but then eventually we will split up. Everybody has their different paces Mm -hmm. and there will be some that are, you know, far ahead and, you know, some that are probably at the back of the pack, which will probably be me. Yay! (laughs) Yeah. There's some others that are like that too. So I love being last. I'll be honest. I love (laughs) being, I don't like when people come up behind me on the trail, especially people walking with great intensity and pounding their trekking poles into the ground. So I love, I just pull over, let them go by. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. But I love being last out of town in the morning and having the trail. Yeah. All yeah. Ahead. Everybody's ahead of me. I love that. Yeah. We were talking a little bit about that last night with my group. And, you know, there's some of us and, and maybe many of us in the group who have a little bit of anxiety about just people that those of us that do go on ahead and kind of get to our stopping place for lunch where we're all going to kind of gather, you know, whenever we're done walking for the day, 1231 to whatever, that we feel like people are going to be waiting on us, mm. like to hurry. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm worried. Like if I stop and rest or I stop and take a picture of this, like people are waiting. Yeah. We need to, And so, you know, our priest just reminded us that the group is going to wait for everyone. Walk at your own pace. Don't worry about everyone else's journey. They will stop and get a bite to eat and have a beer, a drink, whatever. And they'll be there when we all come rolling in, even if it's an hour or two later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I need to learn how to let that go and just, yeah, be good with that. That's one of the challenges of walking with a group is to find your own set point, your own equilibrium and your own pace within the group to be an individual and be part of the group. It's a definitely a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like based on your experience with your parish and being involved in so many things that you've got some practice at being in a group. Yes, we definitely do. Yeah. 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 There's several of us that's walking that have all served on, you know, like a women's retreat before have been a part of, you know, a leadership team and everything. So I can certainly see, you know, nobody's going to just leave a single person behind unless they yeah. want, want yeah. to be, you yeah. know, and that could be, you know, that, that some people do may need that just alone time for a little sure. bit. Sure. Yeah. Cause being in a group can also get overwhelming for some people, especially introverts. Mm-hmm. It can be a lot of togetherness time. Yeah. Can yeah. wear on you. Sure. Yeah. Oh. It sounds like you've got an amazing trip ahead of you, Kim. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, how about, uh, do you have any questions for me? Anything, anything I can answer for you? So I'm trying to decide and I have trekking poles. Yeah. And I, you know, most people say, yeah, take those poles. And I hear, you know, both sides. Am I going to be able to get those through security? And, and if they do get confiscated, that's fine. But is that going to hold up, you know, the travel? Like, what's been your experience with that? So I personally have never tried to take trekking poles on an airplane. Okay. And that's because I, I just always check a bag. I always seem to end up traveling before or after I walk the Camino. So I always have a bag of extra stuff that I'll be checking. So you can take the chance of and just be ready to lose them. The other thing you can do is take with you a tube, a post poster tube from the post office. I believe you can get them there so that if they say, no, sorry, then you can put the poles in the bag and go back and check them. Mm. The other thing is if anybody else in your group has items to check, you could just check a bag with everybody's items that can't go on the plane. So if other people have trekking poles, you can get one extra bag, maybe a duffel bag and put everybody's poles in there, check that bag and then pick it up at the other end. And then you have everything. And then if they have extra toiletries and liquids, if they have somebody's taking Swiss army knife, mm-hmm. put that all in the check bag. Yeah. There's no need to check for 16 people. There's no need to check 16 bags unless you want to, or that's how, what you were planning on anyway. Uh, but my personally, I always check my my trekking poles. Well, that's that's a good point. We are going to try to not check bags, actually. Yeah. Just from experience from some of the other trips that the priest has gone on, and people 
losing bags and and being delayed at airports and missing flights and stuff, we kind of made a commitment in the beginning that we would all try to just carry on. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I'll just have to make the decision whether or not I want to try it, try to get through the check or the carry on. The other thing is on the way home, if you're flying out of the Santiago airport, you cannot take them on the plane. It's a hard, fast rule. Nobody gets trekking poles on the plane. Okay. Good to know. Then you would need to either check them or be ready to leave them behind. And I haven't been to that airport in years, but I understand there's actually a place where you can put your trekking poles. Okay. Yeah. 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 We are flying out of there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. good. But, but I understand that you can get, you can buy trekking poles there. I mean, or stick or something. Yes. Yeah. Very affordably. I don't, I'm not familiar with the cities and towns on the Norte, but if it is a place where pilgrims frequently start their pilgrimage, you can expect to have a shop that will sell trekking poles. And there might be a variety of quality levels. So you might not get the nice pair that you get at home, but then you also might not have to spend as much money. Okay. Yeah. As an example, in St. jean pied du port at the start of the Frances route, you can get a pair of trekking poles for 22 euros. Okay. I don't know if you can get those in that in the U.S. So yeah, at yeah. that price. Yeah. Right. So have you done the Norte before? Have you watched I it? haven't, but I'm getting tempted because I don't know if you remember Kathy. Yes. She was on two episodes. I've got a third one coming in a couple of weeks with her. She's got me tempted, I have to say. I'm also tempted to walk the Portuguese route. So we'll see. Well, yeah, I I love it. You know, I haven't even been on on this one yet. And I definitely <laughs> have been thinking of, you know, doing the Francaise. Yeah. Because, you know, it just sounds, listening to all of your podcasts and the, you know, people that have, you know, traveled on each each journey, you know, it's just different. Yes, yes. And there's beautiful scenery on all routes. There are lovely, charming towns and villages on every route. So, yeah, I think we fall in love with our first pilgrimage route. Yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. Any other questions I can answer for you? I don't think so. I've, I'm getting a lot of my questions answered by listening to your podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. What's your experience with the weather this time of year? Even, even you know, doing the Frances. Yeah, I avoid Spain and I, I avoid most places in August because I okay. don't like the heat. I live in Northern California, so the coast is 30 minutes away and that, that's yeah, my saving yeah. grace. It still goes down to the 50s at night where I live. So it's really fabulous. I think you can expect it to be pretty hot and many places in Spain don't have air conditioning. I know I lived in Florida for 10 years and AC was a part of life, but Bain, not so much. And so it's just being ready for the heat and knowing that you are hydrated, that you have enough water and that you use electrolytes if you have them, but also to make sure you know about the drink Aquarius, which is a refreshing drink that has electrolytes in it. And they sell it in cans, definitely, possibly even bottles. You can get them at any bar and they come with in different flavors. And that's a great way just to make sure your electrolyte count stays up. Okay. I'll be looking for that. I I am planning on bringing like some little packets of electrolytes to add to water. Yeah. 
as well. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. So I think just, I just think hot, you could also get uh, some wet days. You could get thunderstorms. So I would definitely be prepared if not to keep yourself dry because you'll dry out, you'll dry fast, but to keep your things dry. So you just don't want everything in your day pack to get soaked. So I would make sure to line my day pack with a black trash bag that you can twist up and close. So nothing inside it gets wet. Okay. And be ready to protect your smartphone if you're carrying one of those or any any other devices. Okay. And maybe pack an umbrella, a small umbrella, because if you don't need it on the trail, if you've got some other way to stay dry on the trail, you'll possibly need it in transit. And when you're walking around the towns and villages at the end of the day, you might want an umbrella. And since you're transporting your bags, the weight won't be an issue to add in an umbrella. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. Trying to see if there's anything else. I think, that, I think that's most of my questions. Well, that was so easy. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I find the farther I go in the podcast series, the fewer questions people have because we've answered yeah. so many of them, which is really fun. And I think now we're to the point where, where I'm picking out people with interesting stories, you know, yes. you know, so far everyone has had an interesting story and every pilgrim brings something unique and special to the conversation and to the journey and your situation. Like I said, being the first to be going with a group of people, you know, is a unique experience. So yeah, but the questions are thinning out. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when I, as I've been listening to, you know, the different episodes, you know, and you're right, you know, they all have just a little different way that maybe they're traveling or yeah. the that they're taking or the people that they're traveling with or the circumstances around why they're, they're walking, you know, yeah. I didn't hear one that was like the journey that I'm going on. So I thought, well, yeah, you know, none. people might want to know about that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, one of the things I hear from some of my listeners is that maybe they had heard about the Camino, but by listening to the podcast, they discovered it's possible for them. Yes. Because you might've read somebody's book or seen the movie, The Way and gone, that, I, that's not for me, but what is this thing? And so by yes. hearing all these different stories and all the different ways, it becomes possible for people. And that, that I'll make myself cry. That makes me so happy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Kind of the same way. Yeah. I mean, I had heard about it. I had seen the way, but it was nothing that I'd ever really seriously considered doing until, you know, my parish started doing these trips. And I thought, well, maybe I could do that one day. And the timing just was right now. So great. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. Well, I will look forward to hearing how it goes. And, um, yeah, and maybe even consider coming back on the podcast to tell us about it. Yeah, I would love and, that. Yeah. And find out what you learned and how, how it went for you and the spirit of your sister. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you, Nancy. Okay. Okay.